When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome in to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here. If you are looking for more Twins talk, it's coming up at 4 o'clock. Mackie and Judd with Rami as we approach the MLB trade deadline. But we have got two hours to talk football. Judd Zolgad will be in hour number two. And in hour number one, we're going to talk about what we have learned so far from Vikings training camp. And to help me break that down for the first segment of the show here is Chad Graff from The Athletic and uh, occasional Purple Daily uh, fill-in host. How are you, Chad? Doing well. Whenever you want to be on vacation, uh, it was a lot of fun to hang out with Rami and Jonathan and the crew, so it was, it was good. Well, uh, from what I saw on Twitter, we'll have football every single week until February, so plan on February <laughs> as the time that I will be next off of this show. No, um, you'll, you'll be covering the Super Bowl parade because things have been going so well at training oh, camp, that, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. The Super Bowl parade is definitely going on when Cole Hikatani <laughs> had a great day yesterday out there. Um, so, Chad, uh, I, I want to break down what we know so far. So I'm just going to start this out and give you one, and then we can work off of that for the things that you feel like you have learned so far here at training camp. And I'm going to begin with the fact that the young receivers need to get their rears in gear. Um, Mike Zimmer throwing the receivers under the bus yesterday. But what, what, is, uh, what have you learned so far, I guess, about the young wide receivers? I think that's Probably at the top of the list for what we've learned so far is they're not real impressed. Not to throw cold water on this Vikings party, but I think the Vikings are in real trouble at wide receiver. All offseason, we sort of talked about the wide receiver depth and that wide receiver, the third wide receiver job. Is it going to be Chad Beebe? Is it going to be Brandon Zilstra? Is it going to be Jordan Taylor? But the fact is right now, those three are so far ahead of everybody else, ahead of Mitchell, ahead of Johnson, ahead of all of these people that a lot of fans were super excited to see. And that's not to say that those young players can't eventually get to uh, where I think a lot of people hoped that they would. But right now, Mike Zimmer talked about them not lining up in the right spots, not running their routes correctly, to the point where at some training camp sessions, especially the walkthroughs, you'll see those four young wide receivers on their own just working on lining up, stuff that you would think happens at like a, a high school camp or maybe not even at a high school camp. Uh, so it's been a really tough start for them. But then I think one of the other things that we've learned is at wide receiver for the Vikings, you've got probably Chad Beebe three, Jordan Taylor four, and Brandon Zilstra five. That I think can be 
a decent enough five wide receivers when you throw in the fact that you've got one of the best duos at the top of that depth chart. But BB, Zilstra, and Jordan Taylor all are injury prone, all have missed time the last couple of seasons. BB going all the way back to college. Zilstra on and off throughout the offseason dealing with various injuries to his left leg. And Jordan Taylor, of course, coming off of double hip surgery. So, yes, I think that those three wide receivers can be good at the end of your depth chart, but I would be very worried about their health. I love that it's not just hip surgery. It's two of them. All 100% of Jordan Taylor's hips have had some type of surgery. And to your point, you know, I think we came into the camp thinking, okay, we'll see who emerges and maybe it's Davion Davis or maybe it's Dylan Mitchell or BC Johnson. Um, we won't really have a good feel for that until preseason gets going. We see actual games that they're on the field for. But what I keep coming back to is there's just no parachute for if someone gets hurt. I mean, even if Chad Beebe gets hurt, then you're pushing it farther and farther down. Jordan Taylor seems to me like the type of guy who will catch like 15 passes, but you know, they're Fine, number five yeah, some some third downs or something that he'll come through on where they don't expect him to throw to Jordan Taylor but <laughs> unlike Laquan Treadwell he'll catch it um but if you're talking about even a couple of weeks for Stefan Diggs or a couple weeks for Adam Thielen which is very common for uh, any NFL top wide receiver that they get banged up who is the one that's going to step up and the question that I got on Twitter was should they have looked at Michael Crabtree? Should they have looked at Pierre Garçon? And I think that ultimately the answer is probably yes, because these guys behind Thielen and Diggs are just not proven even to stay healthy. And if you didn't want to spend the money on a free agent, I think that I, I still am blown away that they didn't want to draft a wide receiver earlier than the seventh round. Even with Alexander Madison having a, a decent day yesterday at camp and you know potentially being a decent enough running back behind Dalvin Cook. The fact that you could have had a Keem Butler there, there are a lot of really good wide receivers that you could have drafted to at least shore up that third wide receiver spot or add depth to a position where you don't have a whole lot of it. Uh, it is really surprising to me even months later. And I got the question of who is the offensive player outside of Kirk Cousins that the Vikings can least afford to lose. And so at first, you know, you, you go down the list and Dalvin Cook is probably up there, but we've seen a lot of teams replace running backs. Uh, unfortunately for those running backs, they are pretty replaceable. Um, maybe you'd look at an offensive lineman, but I would argue that the offensive player outside of Kirk Cousins the Vikings could least afford to lose would be somebody like Adam Thielen just because of how quickly the depth drops off at that point and if you lose one of Thielen or Diggs the other one is going to be immediately double teamed every single play yep and then teams are going to say go ahead Jordan Taylor beat us go ahead yep. Kirk Cousins throwing to Brandon mm -hmm. Zilstra beat us and I think I like the defense's chances in that matchup. Yeah, and we've seen times when Stephon Diggs has been out that Adam Thielen has not had big games right. because there's been so much focus on him and Laquan Treadwell was not able to uh, rise to the task. Um, that could be another thing that we learned, but give me something that in the first seven days of camp, what you have taken away. Well, another takeaway I think is that Holton Hill will probably not be on this team. He, of course, had the second four-game suspension, now totaling eight for the first eight games of the season. Mike Zimmer uh, has voiced his displeasure in the cornerback who once appeared like he might be a very good deal for the Vikings as an undrafted guy, but he was undrafted for this reason. There were a lot of questions about 
um, his makeup and, and his ability to make the right decisions away from the field. And those, you know, questions have borne out now to the point that he's suspended for half the season. And in training camp, he walks around with the yellow bib on his helmet or, or on his hat through walkthroughs because all he has done is play on the scout team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a player who had, you know, played, I think, pretty well as a rookie last season or as well as you could have expected. And now all he does is show up on the scout team and I think is part of the reason that the Vikings have brought in a few veteran cornerbacks to work out just because as much depth as they have with Mackenzie Alexander turning into a pretty good nickel corner and Mike Hughes probably eventually working his way back. We'll see whether or not that's for week one, but uh, a first round guy that's coming back, even with all of that they still are going to need somebody. I'm not convinced that it's Chris Boyd. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they are going to need another corner. And then, you know, injuries happen. And if Xavier Rhodes has an injury or something, all of a sudden that depth gets tested uh, too. And when I brought up Craig James to uh, Mike Zimmer, he was not so um, effusive in praise, let's just say. You know, he said, well, I don't know. He's kind of a smart guy. And I was like, anything else? No, not really. Uh, So I I wouldn't expect him necessarily to rise to the challenge and be that guy. But the question with Holton Hill for me, Chad, is just – is it smart to cut him or is it smart to give him four strikes? I mean, to me, it's like strike one is you dropped entirely out of the draft because of weed. Strike two is your PED suspension. Strike three is your weed suspension. But you're still talking about somebody who's very young. You're talking about a NFL that might eventually not care about this anymore. So if this guy has this insatiable need for marijuana eventually that might not matter and it might not be that far down the road if you compare kind of his age with what he showed on the field a lot of Mike Zimmer corners don't even get on the field in their first year and he performed very well and it's not really that easy to find a guy who's six foot three and can run like that or six two and can run like that so I wonder even though they've got to be really upset with him whether they say no too bad you're out of here or if they say all right let's let's give him one more shot to turn this around because eight games Games of him and then maybe a future might still be worth it well and we also know how important corners are not just in this defense but in the NFL on the whole now I think that this is probably a bit of a test from Mike Zimmer and the Vikings like hey let's not give him anything that for the first couple weeks of training camp sure. let's make him run let's make him do scout team let's try to you know effectively make his football life miserable and let's see does he have the mental toughness to you know ride with these punches and and still want to be here and if that's the case then maybe we'll give him a shot but uh it's definitely a concern to the point where i don't know that his spot is necessarily guaranteed and mike zimmer even said as much so that that is another interesting part okay the next thing i learned and we're talking with chad graff here of the athletic about things that we've learned in the first six plus days of training camp i'm just calling it the first week um I've made a vow, Chad, that I'm not going to write about this. I am not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we have learned about it. Can I guess? Yes, go ahead. Is it, well, I've got a bunch of guesses, but is it uh, Laquan Treadwell's training camp performance potentially setting up for something? Okay, that is definitely on my list of things not to worry too much (laughs) about, but I'll give you three guesses. That is not what I was going to bring up. Are you going to bring up Hercules (laughs) Mata'afa's surge up the depth chart? Rise to superstardom? That's another good guess, but no. Okay, and uh, for my last guess, I'll go with the offensive guards needing to be better uh, as they now bring in two of them uh, this season. You you are going down a great path with these for things that I am not going to write about and am not interested (laughs) in, but it's the backup quarterback competition because... Fair, fair. It doesn't matter. 
if Kirk Cousins gets hurt, you go four and twelve, and that's the end of the story. There is no Case Keenum here. There's no Kerry Collins in Tennessee who went thirteen and three, or a number of other veteran backups who have led their teams to the playoffs. Sean Mannion and Kyle Sloter and Jake Browning are not doing it. In fact, if the somebody went, to, if Kirk Cousins went down today, I think you would say, okay, well, you're going to have to go trade for somebody. You're yep. going to have to trade for Tyrod Taylor or something because there's no way you can have a successful season with these two backups. I think that for a game, you might be able to win one game with Sean Mannion, but if it's any amount of time, then forget it. So I'm not going to be charting every pass in training camp <laughs> practice going, well, Sean Mannion went six for eight today and Kyle Sloter threw an interception. Oh no, like it's just, I have no interest in it. But what we do know and what we have learned is that it is an open competition between Mannion and Sloter. Yeah, it's an open competition in which Mannion has gotten the entirety of the second team reps. And Mike Zimmer has said, Kyle Sloter, yeah, he's shown up in preseason games, but he doesn't do it in practice. And a lot of fans see the preseason games and then ask, People like you, what, why? I don't understand. Why is Slaughter doing so well in preseason games and yet he can't climb the mm-hmm. depth chart? And that is the reason because for whatever reason, uh, it doesn't translate onto the practice field. And oh, I've got the reason. The reason is he's playing against fourth stringers in those practice or in those preseason. I mean, games. he's going against th- third stringers here because he can't get a second team rep because Sean Mannion has them all. But your point about the Vikings and this backup quarterback job not mattering that much is a perfect one because. Kirk Cousins, first of all, doesn't miss many games. Somehow he's got, he's number five in the active quarterback starting streak. And part of that he can thank, you know, Eli Manning falling out of that list thanks to how the Giants have handled his situation last year. And, and there have been some fluky ones that have gotten in the way. But still, Kirk Cousins has every full season that he's been a starter, he's played all 16 games. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that it will transfer over. But A, he's shown that he's not injury prone. And B, more accurately to your point, if something were to happen, if he has a Teddy Bridgewater-like injury and he falls down on the field tomorrow, the Vikings are not going to roll in with Sean Mannion after right. building up these Super Bowl expectations. Right. Best receiving duo. We've got two tight ends now who can catch the ball. Dalvin Cook is healthy and going to have a great season. They're not going to say Sean Mannion, Kyle Sloter, have it out for the starting job. Now, I don't know if they'll trade a first-round pick like they did after Teddy Bridgewater. That uh, didn't end up working out quite as they had envisioned, but... The same thought process would be there where we have a team that outside of this position we think is one that could make a deep run. And so we're going to do everything that we can to provide for that. And so if Kirk Cousins got hurt, uh, I have to think they would bring somebody else in. Okay, I don't want to talk about the Kirk Cousins hurt situation too much because I'll get angry tweets. (laughs) But... They trade for Case Keenum, right? Like, oh, wouldn't that be the phone? Dream. You make that phone call, right? You, you call the DC franchise and you say, "Jay, you Jay Gruden, would you give us uh, Keenum for a third? Oh my! And then just to see Case Keenum after everything that was said <laughs> about know. him, after Mike Zimmer at the comment, be like, "Well, we don't know if he's the guy who." Won a miracle game for us. And horseshoe won us around his neck. Games. He's got a horseshoe yes. around his neck. Is he the guy who's been a mediocre quarterback everywhere else? And I don't think that the same magic would continue, but I think that, you know, if that were to happen, what, what a storyline. And how about that Thursday game in which suddenly you'd have Case Keenum riding back in and going against Washington and Adrian Peterson? That Thursday game might be the highlight of my season. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to that game. And it's it's a game against Washington. So how many how many other teams right. are actually looking forward to the game against Washington? Uh, you know, you're right. And so anyway, so not 
I'm not jinxing it or anything about Kirk Cousins and a potential injury. It's just that since Cousins doesn't often get hurt and neither of these guys have much experience or any experience, I would not have any trust in them. So I don't really care to spend a lot of time on it. It just seems that there is a competition that will happen in the preseason games. I have Sean Mannion winning because I think he's just better at football than Kyle Slaughter is and can actually play against second teamers. Um, but it doesn't matter to me. So, all right, before I let you go, Chad, give me one more thing that you have learned over the first seven days of Vikings training camp. Uh, This one might surprise you, but I think one thing that I have learned is the interior defensive line still has a ways to go to be ready for the opener. Now, of course, uh, the Vikings have done very well with their defensive line in the past. Mike Zimmer loves Andre Patterson, the defensive line coach. They, They do a good job of taking players who have been overlooked or didn't have a position elsewhere and make them good players. We're starting to see that again with Hercules Mata'afa, the undersized three technique who started out at linebacker, tore his ACL, etc. And somehow, you know, a guy who was linebacker in March could be the guy who replaces Sheldon Richardson week one if he continues up this trend. But all of that said, Linval Joseph is coming off of what Mike Zimmer called a couple of surgeries, is now 30 or 31 years old, Shamar Stefan still hasn't gone onto the field yet, even though you know yep. Mike Zimmer said his injury was quote unquote basically nothing. Uh, and then behind him, Hercules Mata'af has, has had some moments, but also has had others like the goal line drill yesterday, where uh, Klein just moved him completely out of the way and it wasn't an issue at all. So even with all of the success that the Vikings have had there, I still think that I'm a little bit worried about what the interior defensive line is going to look like at the start of the season. And, and of course, that feels like a little down the football rabbit hole, but at the same time, Sheldon Richardson, I don't think is easy to replace. So I, I just pulled this up on Pro Football Focus, and actually, uh, let me look here. So the number of pressures that Sheldon Richardson created last year on the quarterback He was 14th at his position in QB pressures, not very far behind, only four behind Akeem Hicks and only one behind Indomitian Sue and one ahead of Kenny Clark. So he was among the elite players in the NFL in terms of quarterback pressures. And are you going to get that same type of pressure up the middle from Jalen Holmes, from Hercules Mata'afa, if he makes the team, from Jaleel Johnson, who I feel like is kind of on the outs? It's like, that's a pretty big ask for those guys who are going to be rotating in there. And we know that Shamar Stefan, that is just not really his thing is getting after the quarterback. He's good at stopping the run. And I think that the Vikings, you know, can still be good there. I just wonder what the pressure will look like. And I think that, you know, the Vikings of course chose to bring back Anthony Barr and have high hopes for, it feels like the sixth year now that Anthony Barr is going to become this premier pass rusher that, puts up nine, 10 sacks. And, and we seem to, you know, continually talk about that and whether it will happen and watch him work with the defensive line, but they're going to have to make up the pressure that Sheldon Richardson provided. They're going to have to find a way to get that, whether that's Everson Griffin returning to form, whether that's Daniil Hunter, just becoming even more of a monster than he already is, or Anthony Barr providing that somehow the Vikings are going to have to get it. Cause I think what is likely is it's probably Shamar Stefan's job if this injury truly is basically nothing, as Mike Zimmer said. He's not going to be the guy who gets it. So somehow the Vikings are going to have to uh, improve their pass rush from what it is to date, and and I'm not sure exactly how it's going to happen. Uh, I I'm not ready to say that it's not going to happen because I still think that you know 
if the Jets were ready to get that pass rusher from Anthony Barr, it's got to come from somewhere. And I do think that for him to come back, he probably had a conversation with Mike Zimmer of, hey, are you really going to let me get after the quarterback? This is what I was drafted to do. This is what I want to do. This is what the Jets are going to pay me to do. Let me do it. And so I, I do think it can happen. I just, it, it hasn't happened yet. Chad, wonderful work. Thank you. And I uh, always listened when you were able to fill in, and you did a great job, especially on hot routes. So good work there. And uh, get back to writing features for The Athletic. I know you're going to break down both of Jordan Taylor's hips and whether they're still oily now that they've had double surgery, whether he's still got those loose hips coming in out of his brakes and so forth. So um, good stuff. Thanks for coming on. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Join Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, Rami Maklov, Judd Zolgate, and former Minnesota twin Glenn Perkins for a special recording of the Score North Twin Show Glenn Perkins on Baseball Tuesday, August 6th, beginning at 5 p.m. from Modest Brewing Company in Minneapolis. All attendees will receive one complimentary beer courtesy of Modest Brewing Company with prize giveaways throughout the night. This event is free, but you must register to attend. Register right now at scorenorth.com slash Glenn. Welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here and uh, joining the show just for a special edition of Early Hot Routes. We're doing this a little earlier on the show today. Courtney Cronin of ESPN. And tomorrow we'll have the whole show to break it down. But we're just going to do one segment here because I know you got to get back to work. But, uh, you know, I was going to ask you a bunch of things that you've learned from camp. But I thought, well, I wrote up these hot route questions. We've got to do it, you right? You can't waste the hot route questions. Can you imagine if we didn't get to the hot routes and you wanted to ask me about actual Vikings things? I know. I know. Okay, before we get to the hot routes, just give me one thing that you are most excited that you have learned out at training camp in the first seven days. What have you learned? Alexander Madison is really, really good. He does look good. He was impressive on Sunday, which was the first day we saw the team in pads. Um, he's really He's got some good elusive speed, which I wasn't really sure how the Boise game, Boise part of his career was going to translate to the NFL. And granted, it's not going against uh, real defenders yet. His own team's not going to try to kill him out there. Um, but it, he looked good in pads. He's bouncing off guys. I think he was, you know, able to find the hole pretty nicely. And that's going to be really interesting come the first preseason game against the Saints to see how much run he gets, um, how much run Dalvin Cook gets, and really to f- try to find out because we're going to have to see them on the field during the in the preseason at the same time. We have to see them in the same game at yeah. some point. I don't think yeah. we're going to see Dalvin, Dalvin Cook that much, but I want to know how they complement each other. And I think that. Already, initially, he's impressing coaches. He had some really nice looks out there on Sunday, and I look forward to watching him more in that role. Are you bailing from Team Boone to Team Madison now? No, I mean, because I think it's been fairly clear that Alexander Madison is the front runner for the number two back position. Um, I'm still on Team Boone. Will he make the roster? (laughs) I don't know. He will, I think. 
But right? he, well, are they going to keep four running backs and then mm. one fullback? So it's five in the running back room total? Yeah, that's a good question because I think they will keep Amir Abdullah as a veteran who can catch out of the backfield and punt return. Oh, yeah. And- Amir's, Amir is really help solidify his spot with all of the stuff that he's doing with Marwan Malouf and special teams. Okay. I remember hearing about that, you know, early on, you know, how good he was in Detroit with uh, the return game mm-hmm. and how explosive he was. And I remember talking to Marwan Malouf about that. Just, okay, do you want to try him on kick return? You want to try him on punt return? And I think the options are endless for someone like Amir Abdullah. And he could be this year's Marcus Sherrill's where, it's probably more than just running back in name only, like it was cornerback in name only for Marcus. Um, as he said, I mean, he's a good change of pace guy. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. So if you have a one, two, three punch with those guys, you're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah, and he was lining up at wide receiver on some mm-hmm. first team reps the other day. And uh, we know how Mike Zimmer feels about the wide receivers. So, all right, let's get into these hot routes. Um, the first one I have for you. I think you'll like this one. Uh, talking about Bill Belichick, defensive end Michael Bennett said this, quote, it's nice to have a coach who sees you as a human being. All right? He said that about Bill Belichick. He said that about Bill Belichick. Oh. Belichick was the guy that told Aaron Hernandez to get a safe house. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, maybe he uh, is more personable with these players then you think, I don't know. I, I thought it was just kind of That's, one of those. I just can't believe he said that. Yeah, I know. I'm a little surprised by it myself. I want you to give me the three coaches that would best fit your personality because we know Michael Bennett kind of has a unique personality and maybe he would rub some people the wrong way. Maybe Belichick will be a fit for him. Belichick has brought in a lot of different types of personalities to his team and made it work. So give me... The three coaches that you think would fit best with your personality. Sean Payton, because he does some really crazy stuff, like wheeling in the Lombardi trophy with all the cash or whatever oh, it that's was. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Was the trophy in the case or was it just the cash that mm. was in the case? I don't know. I he don't does, remember, but there was a lot of cash. And then he broke the fire alarm and the whole thing. Um that's that's would fit my personality, I think. Um, Doug Peterson. Cash money would fit your personality? Yes. (laughs) And wild nonsense like that. And and the throat slash and, or no, excuse me, the choke symbol to the Vikings. And I do outlandish things too, so I get it. Um, I said Doug Peterson, Peterson. America's dad. Why wouldn't he be a good fit for me? Um, And then beyond that, Kyle Shanahan. Swagger. Gives gives a firm handshake. You love play action. And I do love play action. (laughs) Love being terrific in the boots. Uh, okay, that's uh, great selections. Great selections. What about there. you? I will say Andy Reid because I think, on my short list. I think we have a similar diet, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I run more and play more basketball, so I'm in better shape than Andy Reid, but I also would want to eat like Andy Reid. And I also think that players have just really gotten along with him. He seems like he's somebody that is not going to yell and scream and be super over-aggressive and super football. And when people yell and scream at me, at least when I was playing sports growing up, I just want to be like, go away. I'm not interested in this. You know, the people who play mind games and do goofy stuff like Bill O'Brien, I'm just not really interested in all that. I want to have somebody who's going to explain to me how this football thing works and be affable about it so andy reed seems like an affable guy that you could get along with would you wear the tommy bahama shirts that he wears too 
Um, Could you rock one of those? I don't think I could rock that. I can't see you doing that. I think you have to have a certain kind of body. It either has to be really great or really bad. So you have to be like a former (laughs) offensive lineman at minimum. Yes. An offensive lineman before you start losing the body mass. Yes. I I, I think if you're going to rock one of those. You do not qualify. No, I do not. Then you got to have that kind of like bulbous shape a little bit (laughs) because it's just the perfect sort of Hawaiian type of shirt. Okay, so now after this, it gets a little more tricky for me because Andy Reid was easily number one. But I'm going to go number two, Frank Reich, who worked with your guy, Doug Peterson. But also, greatest comeback in history. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, you and your Buffalo. Come on. Frank Reich was amazing. Journeyman quarterback. Greatest comeback in history. You do love your journeyman quarterbacks. We could talk old bills all day long. It'd be like Kenneth Davis, Cardwell Gardner. What'd you think of those guys, Frank? And not only that, but I do think that he is a a very smart offensive mind and has a, a good disposition to him. And I'd be really interested to learn from him kind of what he learned working with Peyton Manning when he was the quarterback coach in Indianapolis, and now he's got Andrew Luck. It just comes across like a, a pretty likable guy. So I would definitely go with Frank Reich. And I'm going to say for the third one that uh, I don't know everything about this guy, but he just seems to get his players going for him is Anthony Lynn in Los Angeles. Okay, Poor guy needs a, that new stadium, and they need their fans to come up from San Diego. And they need their running back to show up for camp. Yes, they do. Uh, but Anthony Lynn, he was a running back coach in Buffalo and made a quick jump to the NFL. He's been very successful so far, uh, especially last year, and he just seems like somebody who gets jacked to play football. So I'm in for Anthony Lynn as my, uh, as my other coach. All right, our next hot route. So uh, a very surprising turn. I was stunned by this move. Mike Daniels said that 13 teams gave him phone calls, and he picked the Lions because of Matt Patricia, who was 31st out of 32. Doug Marone is dead last for the coach that I would never want to play for. Matt Patricia's 31, but I guess (laughs) Mike Daniels didn't feel that way. Called him a genius. A genius. Really? Wow. I mean, I guess he's a smart defensive mind, but he also seems like he might be a nut job. Anyway, um, where is the Lions defense going to rank in the NFL in, let's say, points against now that they've added Trey Flowers, Justin Coleman, Mike Daniels? Am I missing someone? There's probably one more. Um, and they've, they've kept most of their talent. So they've added skill. Patricia is a good defensive coach. Are the Lions going to be a top defense? Well, I was surprised a little bit by this move. I wasn't surprised that he stayed in the NFC North. Because I remember when this came out, what was it, last Tuesday or Wednesday, I was thinking, okay, which NFC North team? Is it going to be Chicago that pounces on him? Could the Vikings, even though they're in salary cap hell, I'm sure Mike Zimmer was shaking his fist up at the front office from the field. Uh would have loved to have had him next to Linville Joseph because then nobody's running on this team, even though he's a nose tackle. Maybe he could play three technique. Anyways, um, who else did you say? Deshaun Hand was oh, yeah. on, on that on that yep. front yep. too. Mike Daniels, Trey Flowers, Ashawn Robinson. I mean, that front. There's a lot of talent. There is. I was concerned though, but he said he wanted to go to a championship contender. I don't think the Lions are a championship contender, but I do think. I mean, everybody has a reworked defense, really, except the Minnesota Vikings, who probably took a step back, I guess you'd say, if we're talking about, you know, the defensive line and, and Shamar Steffen over Sheldon Richardson. Everybody else was adding this offseason. The Vikings didn't, but I still think they'll be the top defense in the in the division. Um, I think that they're a top 15, top 15 in, in points allowed, top 15 in yards against. 
um, in yards allowed, but this is probably a team you're not going to run on. And that's kind of what we've we've known from uh, – we've seen in years past, definitely not last year, but in years before that. But this is this is really good. I think this is a good – it's a good look for him, and he'll be able to play his natural position up there. But it's uh, – I just don't understand it, though. Like, you could have gone to Cleveland. Right, yeah, that's the hot place to go. They were for the first time in a very long time. Cleveland is the hot place for free agents to go. Actually, I guess in the free agency period, that would have been never, right? I mean, they started free agency in '93, so it would have been never would be your time to want to go to Cleveland outside of maybe like '94. Anyway, um, Michael Dean Perry signed early on in the '90s with Cleveland. In case you were thinking that, Um, okay, so. I'm going to say that they're going to be top 10, and part of it is because of their schedule. That because they were in last place last year, you get the last place schedule, and that gives you a better chance, I think, to have uh, improvement. And that's kind of why the NFL does it that way. They give you, if you're the best team, you get the hardest schedule, unless you're New England, who plays in the AFC East and perpetually has the easiest schedule. But aside from that... Um, you know, I think that the talent that they've put here, and I don't believe Patricia as a leader. I don't think he has any clue what's going on on offense. But on the defensive side, especially toward the end of the season, and even the first half of the Vikings game in Week 16, he showed that they can slow some people down. So I, I think that that's actually going to be the offense for kind of a change here from the Jim Caldwell era that is very mediocre and the Lions cannot get over the top. So I still don't see them as a top team. But that defense is not going to make things easy for the Vikings in their two games. All right, our next one. So Bengals uh, wide receiver John Ross is injured in training camp. He's got a hamstring injury, and he's going to go down, I think, as one of the bigger busts uh, in terms of top wide receivers. You were also the one thinking that maybe the Vikings would get him. Was I? Yeah, we were talking about this. One of our many off-season free agency, could John Ross come to the Vikings type thing? Because he's kind of on the outs in Cincinnati. Yeah, I guess that might have been thrown around. Um, We've tried almost every scenario in the entire world on the show. So um, we know about some notable receiver busts here in Minnesota. Troy Williamson. I guess Cordero Patterson is like fringy bust because you expected more, but he still was talented. I want to know from not Minnesota, your favorite wide receiver bust. Like the the guy who, and I can go first on this to give you a second to think, because I did not prep you on hot routes. So we're not, Um, you're not even, you're not going to put the current. uh, So I'm not going, I'm not going Laquan Treadwell on this non Vikings favorite bust. Vikings. I think I have a good answer to this. And it's, it's everyone named Mike Williams. Everyone named Mike Williams who has ever been drafted high is a bust. Uh, Mike Williams, the version that is on the Chargers right now, has not done anything, came from Clemson. The Mike Williams that went to Syracuse and played for the Tampa Bay Bucks was a bust. And the most famous, the one who sat out a year, I believe, and then the Lions took him with the 10th overall pick in the same year that Troy Williamson was 7th overall, Mike Williams, for USC. And um, surprisingly enough, there was one more drafted Mike Williams in 1989. <laughs> That's, so but he was in the 10th round. I'm counting three Mike Williamses as busts. And they all were wide receivers. All wide receivers, yeah. all named Mike Williams, and none of them worked out. Well, I was you. I thought you were going to go a different direction with that. And I was trying to jog my brain here. And I'm thinking, is it too, it's probably too soon to put Michael Floyd in that category. I mean, first-round pick, had, was, had a high trajectory in Arizona, and then 
you know, had his off the field incidents and then completely fell off the map. But I don't think yeah. that's fair, probably category because he was good opposite Larry Fitzgerald for a while in the Carson Palmer, the end of the Carson Palmer era. But, but you know, there's an interesting category, like subcategory of bust where it's showed some potential and had flamed some decent out. times and flamed out is kind of another kind of bust. I mean, it initially went through my mind when I thought of this John Ross failure that it's been in Cincinnati. Guys like Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson, that just have not worked out and no one picks up their, their fifth-year option. Um, Kevin White is a pretty massive bust for the Chicago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's basically just like never played. Um, Bashad <laughs> Perriman is a bit of a bust. They typically don't ever draft good receivers in uh, Chicago, but okay. How about this... <laughs> How about this draft in uh, 2014 for wide receivers? Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks. And then Kelvin Benjamin is the other guy that you would ask, like, is that a bust? I don't know, because he had some times, but then flamed out pretty quickly. Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, that, Jarvis I mean, Landry. They've never, they haven't, wow, I what did a, draft. a story on that draft like last year or the year before. They that's haven't crazy. had a draft like that in. I don't know, yeah, ever, nuts. last 20 years. Um, um, no- Tavon Austin, a notable yeah. bust. Uh, I'd go Ted Gidd Jr. Now that I'm thinking about, I think he's a bust. He didn't do anything in he's, Miami. He was he's like a hard he, one. I mean, he they wanted him as like a returner. Yeah. Did he do anything? I I can't jog my brain back that far. That he didn't. He wasn't explosive. Right. Like he didn't uh, do he, anything on return teams. Like he's he still around college. though. He is, but he's a guy. Yeah. Laquan Treadwell's going to be around next year, and he's just going to be a guy if he even makes the roster here, as predicated by the lack of talent uh, or lack of skill among the younger guys on this roster that it might pre- like propel Laquan onto the roster. He's yeah. just going to be a guy. He'll be the fifth or sixth guy. I don't know. But, I, but think- that's a, I really like that category of, uh, is this guy a bust? It's like the if you were putting it in a quarterback context, it would be like the Kerry Collins. Like, was Kerry Collins a bust? He went to a Super Bowl. And he went to, I think he went 13-3 and with another team, went to an NFC championship with Carolina, but really didn't have a very good career overall. He was in the league for a long time. And this is kind of the category you're getting into is Ted Ginn. He was so exciting in college. Everyone was jacked up about him. They thought he was going to be Devin Hester. And then he became just kind of a guy. So that's like a different category. I was just looking it up. He had three return touchdowns in his career. And to he, date, yeah. to date. And he was supposed to be, like, yeah, he's unstoppable. Yeah, supposed, supposed to be Devin Hester. Um, okay, next hot route for you, Courtney. Todd Gurley said that he does not want reporters asking about his knee issue anymore, okay? So stop. Stop it. Just cut it out. Cut it out, you reporters. Why are you doing this? Uh, because he said it puts bad energy on his knee. Well, you wouldn't want that. Um, they do, have, do you have to speak in the direction of the, the knee? The like, knee, yes. <laughs> Don't look directly at the knee when you're asking the question. They have socks for that. Like they're supposed to send the energy to certain areas. Um, they're called compression socks. Supposed <laughs> to make sure you don't get blood clots. So if he puts on compression socks while they ask him questions, then the bad energy will be avoided. I agree. Okay. Scientific analytics. Um, what's the question that's going to be asked about the NFL season coming up that you would love? everyone to just stop asking and this can be local or this can be national i mean expectation talk and when you get especially i find this with local media local tv people but not also from the area the people who aren't there every single day you have about a three-day window where you can reference last season in big picture terms i mean if you want to reference last season from you know last year the run game looked like this 
you know, transition to this year, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. But if you're talking big picture wise, last year you guys were Super Bowl or bust. This year you're probably not. You should have already asked those questions by now because I think that it really weighs on players and coaches when they have to hear very vanilla-type questions. There's a certain point of training camp where they want to talk X's and O's, and I think they appreciate that more from the media that are willing to try to take things a little bit deeper and not just the surface-level crap that you get from a lot of um, TV outlets, just to be completely honest, because they're looking for a soundbite. So... It's probably a little harsh, but uh, just stop the expectation talk. And, and as it pertains to Minnesota, at some point, Mike Zimmer's going to not be off-season coach anymore, and he's going to go into straight football mode. He's going to cut some people off with that. <laughs> no, you're, you're right about that, is that when you start to reference what happened last year, um, we've already broken that down yeah. in 57 different press conferences. So that is certainly uh, in the category of questions that I would love to say, bring me bad energy. I'm going to say that future CBA and 18-game seasons and holdouts and things like that throughout training camp, I don't know about the NFL season, but I, I don't know how long this will keep going, but it's almost a daily thing that there's something new on 18-game seasons, and I'm sure that as we go along in camp, players will get asked about it. What do you think of the 18-game season and everything else? And we've had the discussion every now and then when there's a new issue that comes out on the show, but it's one of those things. Oh, players are holding out this next CBA, next CBA. Trust me, we'll have a, a lot of time to be annoyed with the next CBA and report on yeah, it, it when it comes along. Yeah, potentially be during a lockout. So I, I would love all to time just, in the world. I'd love to just put that on hold. Just can we ban that until that actually means something? All right, last one uh, real quick here. Jason Witten said that he's well aware that uh, people are wondering if he can come out of retirement and play at a high level for the Cowboys. And I am glad that he came out of retirement because his broadcast was bad. Yeah, he was not was a not good great. broadcaster. No, it was not good. So I want you to fill in the blank. Jason Witten was so bad in the booth, I would have rather listened to blank. DMX making sound effects. DMX. His own sound effects, like where he barks and goes grrr and all the other stuff. I would listen to that on loop for three DMX. straight hours. I'm going to say Riley Reef. Riley Reef is. You, the, you want to listen to silence? I would rather listen to silence of Riley Reef, who uh, I, I thought it was great that. You know, Kevin Stefanski said, well, you know, he's not a, a guy. That, a few words. He's not a guy that talks a whole lot. He's not a guy that talks at all. Um, not to us, at not, least. Not to us, but even when he has talked, it's not. He's not. Um, gregarious let's just say so he is the i think he is the quietest player that i've ever covered and i would rather have the quietest and shortest speaking player that i've ever covered than jason witten trying so hard to sound like tony romo well you know what his nickname was in detroit right i don't is it mean Riley Brief. Oh, right. Okay. No, it's not mean. That's no. Just okay. brief, man. A few words. Riley, doesn't yeah. want to talk a lot. And uh, that's fine. I don't yeah. care. I mean, I think at the end silence of silence is beautiful. I will welcome silence. I think at the end of a season when you've disappointed your fans, you should stand at your locker and talk. So that would be the criticism I would have. But aside from that, I mean, we we have got a lot of players that will talk, so it's all right. But anyway, yes, the the Riley Brief, the. Um, player who is the uh, softest spoken on the team i would rather hear and and there's lots of funny answers that you could also throw out there too Riley Bree, I, love it. I, I would rather hear easy i would easily rather hear johnny weir try to do football you know he does the olympics, olympics. and he's amazing at it 
I don't know if he knows football or not. I would guess probably unlikely. <laughs> so I would. That's why I would love to hear try to do football. And the other potential answer would be, and you could tweet these at me if you've got more. The other potential answer would be Dennis Miller because when Dennis Miller attempted color, it was horrendous. It was the worst thing that Monday Night Football ever tried. Was Dennis Miller being in that booth? So okay, thank you, Courtney, for your time on Hot Routes. Tomorrow, you and I will be together doing the whole show. As, yeah, player's uh, day off, not a day do. off for us. No days off for us. Rise and grind as we do. All right, we'll take a break. We'll wrap up the first hour. When we return here, you are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Vikings training camp has been open, and the biggest position of intrigue has been that third wide receiver slot and well... It doesn't seem to be going too well, according to Coach Zimmer. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to line up. If they run the wrong route or if they're moving their feet when the ball is snapped, you know, we'll keep looking for somebody else. They have not, they have not um, been precise enough uh, in these first couple of days, these young receivers, and they need to get their rear end in gear. Yikes. Not the thing you wanted to hear after the first six days of training camp with the the group of young receivers they have battling for that third spot. Who do you want to see take that third wide receiver slot behind Thielen and Diggs? Let us know at Score North on Twitter. Also, we are all over twin speculation this week as the trade deadline approaches in baseball. We're bringing you 10 hours of the Score North Twin Show this week. If you miss any of it, you can listen back via podcast on Apple, Spotify, or the free Score North mobile app. That's your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, last segment of the first hour. Courtney Cronin's going to stick around for one more segment here, Courtney. And with Chad Graff earlier on the show, and we touched this, uh, touched on this just a bit, things that we've learned from the first seven days of training camp. Um, you mentioned that Alexander Madison looks really good. I'm wondering what else is potentially on your mind from things that you have taken away from the first seven days. So I'm making a list. Well, I, I mentioned it during hot routes, but... The way that Mike Zimmer feels his disdain for the young receivers here. <laughs> yes. Um, there's nine receivers in camp not named Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen. So you have, of your veteran guys, you have Chad Beebe, who's, I think, the clear front runner for the number three position. Um, I honestly, right now, would probably put Laquan Treadwell a, a step behind Beebe. Uh, and that's not to say of as much merit of his own. I think that it's pretty indicative of what they think of him by having him on the third team offense a lot of times. Yep, yep. But this wide receiver group, the young guys just cannot seem to get it together. I mean, even after Mike Zimmer said the stuff on Sunday, we're out there watching guys taking terrible pass to the ball, bad trajectory, not able to judge where they're supposed to be wrong routes run. Um, it's a big, big, big learning curve. And I think with seventh round picks and undrafted guys, it's a lot more work than you'd probably have with someone who's maybe drafted a little higher. So the way that I look at it right now, if I had to redo my depth chart that I do my 53 man today, I'd probably have Laquan on there because I just don't, oh, wow. I don't trust that there is a lot of time left in camp. I will give people that um, just to, ponder this is not set in stone but if you're deciding today Laquan Treadwell is probably number five or six because these young guys are just not going to cut it on an NFL roster they need another year so maybe you stash a BC Johnson or a Dylan Mitchell on the practice squad but really this is a tough group to evaluate because your best guy for number three is injury prone and 
your first round pick's not going to cut it, but it'll probably be there because of the rest of the roster is kind of failing you right now. So let me ask you this then. Uh, I, I asked Chad earlier, should they have or should they still bring someone else in? Because Mike Zimmer alluded to that, and you figure that it's got to be a conversation within the building of, oh, gosh, this looks bad. And I'm not even sold on Jordan Taylor in terms I'm not of either. being a guy who can get open. Um, so... Should they have looked at Michael Crabtree still out there? Pierre Garçon was somebody that I brought up having had played with uh, Kirk Cousins before and had one of his best seasons of his career with Kirk Cousins. Would that make sense to see if those guys who have not found homes yet um, you know, could actually come in and contribute something kind of the way that Aldrick Robinson did last year? Yeah, I just don't know with their cap situation right now. Y- you really can't afford to bring somebody super pricey in. And that's not to say that they couldn't make it work with Pierre Garcon or Michael Crabtree. I'm trying to think who else is still out there. Um, they need somebody to give them a different look at the number three or even number four. Um, they've got speed guys, but can these speed guys run routes? Can these speed guys help Kirk? Not so far. Can, can they win? Can they win on their routes and help Kirk Cousins on third and long where he can't Half the time he doesn't know if the guy is uh, in the spot he's supposed to be in, and he just needs to anticipate. I mean, can I have a quick rant, real just real quick? Okay. Be like fourteen second rant. Stretch the field with the guy's speed. Okay, everybody's fast now. Okay, so it's, it's this is find not your, like find your Aldrick Robinson but, though. But even Aldrick Robinson, it was like you know who's way better than guys who just like have speed and supposedly stretch the field are guys who can actually run routes and catch the ball. I mean, Robinson was fine, I agree. but like that whole thing of, well, you got to spread the field, stretch the field, like, okay, well, most of the throws are underneath to open guys who ran well, good Well, yes, in, we- in West Coast systems, you're right, it's shorter passing game, that does make sense. Um, but I get where Mike Zimmer's coming from when he talked about what they want out of that position for number three receiver. It's not, you know, fact of the matter is your two best receivers are best in the slot. You're not going to play them there the entire time, but you need to find somebody else who I think can take over that role if needed Um, in certain in third down certain scenarios. But um, back to the point, his point of saying, you know, if you know, they need to get their rear ends in gear, I believe was the quote, Mm -hmm. or we're, you know, we're going to go find someone else. I, you know, this is an early point of camp. I would not put it past him. I mean, even look last year with the safety group. They brought in George Iloka at the 11th hour mm-hmm. going into the third preseason game, and he didn't do anything during the regular season, but they still brought him in to push competition there with Anthony Harris, Andrew Sandejo. Um, NBC saw a good player available on the market, and they had the cap space for it. I don't know how flexible they're going to have they'd be able to be right now, but if there's some cheaper options out there, why not? cut somebody to be able to bring in a veteran receiver who is proven and could be a good depth option. Well, Mike Wallace is still out there. And I mean, I don't, that, do they want that again? No, 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 no. Why? That didn't go. That's, that did not go well. Not, that did not go well. Did not go well at all. I was joking entirely about Mike Wallace. Uh, okay. We'll see on that. So Judd is going to come in here next for our number two. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Zimmer's comments that you mentioned about the wide receivers camp going on. Uh, I'm making this list out of, things that um, we've learned in the first week. So if you have any, feel free to send me a tweet at Matthew Collar or just bother Courtney at Courtney R. Cronin uh, on Twitter. Please don't bother me. Yeah, uh, I'm no, very it, busy. It turns out to be so funny sometimes, though, when people bother you online. 
Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, you'll be in tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to that for Tuesday's show, so make sure you listen. Then we'll be right back with Judd Zolgad in studio here. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. 